Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for the beautiful music from the uh, praise team. Praise the Lord. Beautiful music. Uh, can't thank you enough. God bless you. And also the special music. Um, before we go on, I know we started late. It's five minutes to 12. I can give you a five-minute version or... <laughs> We can stay here all afternoon, or I can just give you what I had here. So praise the Lord. Let's, uh, before we move on, let's bow our heads for prayer. Um, if you're able to, you can kneel and uh, let us pray. <clears throat> Loving Father in heaven, we come before your throne of grace right now. Use me this morning, mere mortal, lips of clay. Sinful human being, hide me behind the cross of Calvary as I talk about education, which is redemption, Christian Seventh-day Adventist education. We thank you this morning for your presence. Let your Holy Spirit possess us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Christian education, you know, that, that, that phrase is so cliche. What is Christian education? You think about Christian rap music. What is that? It's a label put on some music that is from somewhere else. Christian rap music. Now, Christian Seventh-day Adventist education, why is it necessary? Do we, do we need that today? Do we need Battle Creek Academy? When sometimes we think, oh man, we can't afford it. It's too expensive. What is it? Where did it start? Who started it? Do we still need it today? I'm going to try to answer most of these questions. Hopefully all of them. What is Christian Seventh-day Adventist education? Now, education, there are buzzwords all the time in education. The three R's, which are not really R's. Reading, writing, which starts with a W. We still call it three R's. Reading, writing, and arithmetic, which starts with an A. Three R's of education. Is that the only reason why we have education? We'll see. Christian education versus Christian rap. I talked about that <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit earlier. Um, is that just a label for asking people for money to have our own school and leave our kids away from public schools? What is the difference? Christian Seventh-day Adventist education. Can we just have all denomination come into one, call it Christian education? Kind of like... Um, What's the school in town that's that way? Down Christian. You know, a number of different churches come in and they have this Christian school, Calhoun Christian. Do we need our own school? Um, what does it mean to be a Christian? Talk about Christian education. Okay, follow of Christ. What does it mean to be a Seventh-day Adventist? Want to worship some Sabbath? Doesn't eat pork? Waiting for Jesus to come? What's the Seventh-day Adventist? 
We can put all these together and say, okay, a follower of Christ who worships on Sabbath, waiting for Jesus to come, and learning how to do math, reading, writing. That's Christian education. Christian Seventh-day Adventist education. Now, let's go back and say, where, who started this Christian education thing? And then we go to this book called Education. And as soon as you turn to the first chapter, it says, our ideas of education take too narrow and too low a range. There is need of a broader scope, a higher aim. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study. It means more than, the prep, than a preparation for the life that it now is. It has to do with the whole being and with the whole period of existence possible to man. Who wrote that? I think you know who wrote that. She used to live here a long time ago. She probably preached from, she drove around these areas. Amen? Don't you feel blessed? You know? Now, it, it continues to say it is the harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It prepares the student for the joy of service in this world and for the higher joy of wider service in the world to come. Amen? Why do we need to have Christian education? This week I went back and read this book, Christian Education. The whole thing. There are so many good quotes in that book. You can just download and listen to it. Takes a few hours. But it's so beautiful. That's like, wow. That's what it means. So where did it all start? I was so blessed. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to come to Battle Creek was because this is where it all started. I've been around different places. I can't say that's where it started. But being here, I can claim that. Amen? Only six years after the American Civil War ended, Seventh-day Adventist denomination made a choice to begin its first official church-operated school. And you know the story. I, I don't have to tell you this story. They started with a guy just pulling students together, and they started to have school playing school, and then the denomination adopted that. And here, right here in Battle Creek, Michigan, if you're watching online, there it is. Battle Creek, Michigan is where it all started. And it opened its doors on June 3rd, 1872. Just 12 students. I wonder who were those 12 students. You might know some of the names. Amen? That picture was not the first one. Can't get a picture of that. But this was later on down the line. But if you go to a, a cemetery there, you'll see some of the names, the familiar names that started this school here in Battle Creek. Among the first students to attend, the school are sons of, uh, of uh, early Battle Creek residents who included James Edson White, 
John Harvey Kellogg. Uh, these young men matured into community church and uh, also, oh sorry, Will, uh, Clarence White and William Keith Kellogg. They became the leaders. And there's a community college right here in Battle Creek named after these students. The very first school here in Battle Creek. Amen? So we know our roots. They're rich, really rich roots here. Are we going to be happy now? Okay, you know. That's where it began and where we become complacent and say, hey, you know, we're it. But where is that very first institution right now? Well, if you go to battlecreekacademy.com, you'll see this, these pictures here. And now it's still rooted in the belief that a Christian school is meant to be an extension of the family. You know, it's a small school compared to huge schools out there. We have a little under 100 kids, K-12, but it's still there. Praise the Lord. Almost 150 years later, 147 actually, 2022, hopefully we'll still be here, and we have no COVID-19, and we can celebrate 150 years of this particular school. Not at the same location this whole time, but we're located about half a mile away from where they first started. And there's this Adventist village. You know, the Adventist heritage in this place is so rich. I, I'm, I just feel blessed. If you're online, you can come visit us. Maybe after COVID-19. But if you want to come before that, you can drive around here. And you can see all this. We're located on a 44.5 acre site. Just one half mile away from the site of the old Battle Creek College. And about an hour and a half away from Andrews University. And so, um, very low teaching ratio, one to nine or so. And about 100 students, K through 12. Now, there are amazing things happening right now at Battle Creek Academy. We see some changes. Um, when we began the year, we started with the 10 days of prayer. We know we thought, hey, you know. Enrollment is not looking good. We were around 96, something like that last year. Now, this year we started off looking not looking very good, about 80, in the 80s. And so we said, let's pray because we have no control over these things, but God does. So we declared 10 days of prayer and fasting. So we did that. Afterwards, there were answers that were like, wow, you know, we uh, had a, a, an anonymous donor of $113,000. Amen? I can't give that much. Maybe God will allow me one day to be able to, but somebody, God moved in somebody's heart to do that. And then the conference promised, okay, if you raise some, you know, 20000 bucks, you can, we'll match it. And, okay, we, well, the community got together. We did a concert. We did writing letters and all that. We raised, guess how, mu how much? 28000 And the conference also matched that. Praise the Lord. God is good. 
sold the whole thing total from the donation to the fundraiser and the matching, we raised $170,000. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so we said, wow, if God can do that in 10 days, let's try another 10 days. So this time, it was the beginning of the second semester. All right, okay, I forgot one thing. Also, not only the money, but God dropped 10 more students on our lap. We started school already. We, we were settled, okay? We'll just go with 80. We're just slowly declining. God dropped 10 more students. And we were excited about that. Like, wow, God is at least maintaining our enrollment. And so we said, let's, let's pray some more. And the second semester came. We declared another 10 days of prayer, but it kind of offset with the tabs um, week of prayer or 10 days of prayer, the, the church, the worldwide church one. And so we said, okay, let's just, some of us can do both. So we ended up praying, started there the first of the year, and we went all the way until the 18th. So we had 18 days of prayer. Some of us were fasting. So praise the Lord. It was like, Wow, if you know God did that, 170,000 Timber students, what can He do if we do it again? And so the focus of this was focusing on the students. We asked the students, hey, write down your prayer request and put it in a piece, three by five card. We collected them. We met at the chapel. We prayed over these prayer, these prayer requests. And it's amazing how God can answer each individual's prayer. After the whole thing, I asked them, raise your hand if God answered your prayer. Everybody raised their hand. One kid even said, you know, I pray that my dad will get a job at BCA. And guess what? God answered that too. It just it blows my mind. When God answers prayers, it's just, it's beyond what we can think or imagine. Amen? And then, not only that, you know, the conference started pushing us, okay, you know, next year, Let's start being realistic, okay? Get a budget that is zero at the end of the budget. Because this year we had a budget that was like, you know, in the negative. And like, okay, right now, you know, I don't know how, well, I know God did it because right now we're still in the positive, amen? We projected 200,000 in the hole and we're one month away from the end of the school year and God, for some reason, if it's a gain of 30000 or something like that. Praise the Lord. I mean, it, he is good. He can do miracles in just out of nothing. If he created this world out of nothing, imagine what he can do when we trust him and have faith in him. Amen. And then, so the week of February, we, we schedule a week of prayer for the beginning of the week, of the month. Student-led, Dr. Kerr and all the Seniors did, you know, all this preparation, and we did that. And because of this push to have a zero budget, I said, you know, we can't do it. God has to be in this, so we need to pray. So we declared a 30-day of prayer month, just beginning at the beginning of February to the end of the, of the, of the beginning of March. Lo and behold, God sent Jem uh, Caster here to the tab. And Pastor Rob calls me up and said, can we have another week of prayer? I'm like, okay, we just finished one. I don't know if we're going to have two in a month. 
But somehow I thought, you know, maybe we should. So I took it to the teachers, and they say, you know what? We can skip Bible for this one particular week and just have another week of prayer, amen? I said, yes. So I called Pastor Rob up, let's have another week of prayer. So the whole month of February was just prayer. It's like, wow. We didn't know COVID-19 was going to be here, mind you. God was preparing us for this. And so when this thing hit, it was like, wow. That's what God had in mind for us, to pray and pray and pray. And then the GC, after this prayer conference that, that the union put up, we, we, all, we took a couple of students, we went there. It was all about prayer. That was beautiful. Learning how to pray and claiming Bible promises. And so they declared 100 days of prayer. I'm like, wow. We did 30. Let's try 100. And you know, we're at day number 37 right now. Anybody with it? I use that for my family worship with my family. Just, hey, let's pray. Let's read this and we read. And there's prayer praises. And there's always prayer requests about this COVID-19 thing, all the frontliner workers and all these businesses. You know, our state is in turmoil right now. But let me tell you, God knows. He's going to see us through. Amen? We want it to open. It'll open when God wants it to be open. But he can turn these, whatever it is, negatives into positives. Something we, I didn't expect. We are here, you know, we're serving God here. All of a sudden, we have a phone call from California saying, hey, can you guys uh, do this online health talk? I'm like, my wife says, no. Nah. We don't have time for that. And I said, you know, we've been praying for a divine appointment. Maybe this is the divine appointment. We prayed about it, and they said, you know, you're going to be on the radio, you're going to be on Facebook, live, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know what, we didn't want this, but maybe God is asking us to do this. And we've been doing this, and like, well, the first time, it's like, wow, there's so many people that are asking questions and needing answers, Wife is a nurse. I'm not a doctor in, in that field. I'm in education. But I, because I can talk and, and try to teach, they want me to do it. So, yes, we did it. And I was like, we feel blessed that God is just using us in whatever way he wants to bless people. And I'm sure right now God is using you somehow to reach someone during this COVID-19 time, amen? We need to be open because God might have a, dis, a, uh, a divine appointment for you that if you're not praying, we might not be able to realize that that's from God. Um, now, when I came here to Michigan, they were pushing something called three keys or key three. So it's uh, three keys to uh, Christian education in this conference. And uh, number one is leading students to Christ. Number one thing about education. You know, we're, we're wondering, what is Christian education? Why do we need it? Our purpose in education, number one, is to lead young people to Christ. And I, I was reading uh, the book Education. It says that education 
and redemption are one. What? That means our work as teachers is the same as the work of the pastors, the Bible workers. We are all on the same team in this Christian education thing. Amen? We are working for the redemption of souls. People have fallen away from God, beginning with Adam and Eve, including us. But our work that God has called us to do is the return to that image that he created in us. And that is called redemption. That is our job. Number two of these three keys is quality. When we allow Christ to lead us as teachers, we're able to lead our students to the foot of the cross. And when we do that, we're not sloppy in our work. We know that Christ is calling us to a high calling. And so we do our best to prepare, to grade, to stay up late, to do whatever it takes for this Christian education thing. Because it is redemption. So spiritual, phys physical, and academic as well. We focus on this quality education that we need. And the third one, fulfilling this mission through service projects. I have a little picture here of uh, the second and third graders standing outside on, on the street, Limit Street, waiting for kids when they come from the, uh, the middle school there, public middle school going home. They were asking them, do you want a popsicle? And just they were handing out popsicles to these kids as they were walking. It just puts a smile on their face. These kids happy and you know we have a, a friend who was working next door and they say oh these kids are asking when are they coming again to give us popsicles and so these little things we would go out to food banks and have the kids help pack food and and we'd go out to uh during uh, the fall and we were raking leaves and some of these people who can't rake their leaves would be helping them and these are things that would help fulfill our mission I know our, our sports team, at the TAB sports team, you know, it's, they all go and do this too, raking leaves, helping. And so this is, these are the three most important things in Christian education. And that's why I picked Isaiah 58, because it's about worship. It's about fasting. What kind of fast? are we looking for? What kind of fasting do we want? Do we want people to know, oh, you know, I'm fasting, I'm hungry right now, and I don't look good because I'm fasting. Does God want that kind of fasting? No. He wants us to be helping the poor, amen? That's the kind of fasting that God is expecting from us as Christians. And in Christian education, that is, the idea is to uh, teach these kids through example. We teachers and administrators, we are in the front lines of doing these things with our kids. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? 
Are you fasting sometimes and you feel like, God's not answering my prayer. I better stop praying. Why have we afflicted our souls and you have not taken notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you, you find pleasure and exploit, your, exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate. And to strike with the first of wickedness, you would fast as you do this day, to make your voice heard on high. It is a fast that I have chosen, a day uh, for a man to afflict his soul. It is to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Would you call this a fast? And an acceptable day of, to the Lord? Is this not the fast I have chosen? This is the fast that God has chosen for us. To lose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. Every Tuesday, we're out here in the parking lot. I thought that was the parking lot. In the parking lot here, giving out food from the food bank. The church has done that now for how many weeks now, Pastor Rob? About a month. And we're still going to continue this until this whole thing is over. Or maybe not continue doing it for a long, long time. But this is why we're doing this. Isaiah 58. Amen? Instead of staying home and trying to fast and trying to sanctify ourselves, let's, let's go out there and do something good. In fact, um, the school kids right now are still calling their mentors. We have this uh, assist program and PFE program that's going on with Southern. And they're still calling their mentors and saying, hi, how are you doing? They make cards that they do make some food and and take it to them. This is the kind of fasting that God wants us to have. Amen? Then you shall call the Lord, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, here I am. You take away the yoke from your midst, and pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Amen? Let's remember, this is the fast. This is the kind of education that God wants us to have. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be, you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the, the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairers of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Right now, today, this is day number 37 of the 100 days of prayer. And I woke up this morning and read this. Faith under fire. And the verse is found in Jeremiah 32, 26 to 28. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me, God? Therefore, thus is the Lord, 
Behold, I give you this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And, okay, this whole chapter is talking about when we don't do what God wants us to do, what happens? He allows us to be captured by somebody else. Doesn't answer. When we pray, it doesn't seem like there's no answer to our prayer. But it says there, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Later on, the chapter talks about how God promised that he's going to bring back his people. And you've learned that. You learned about that a couple of Sabbath school uh, lessons quarterlies ago. That they all came back. The, God promised that they will come back. And so God always keeps his promise. And I want to read this uh, quotation that was also in that, uh, that prayer thing today. God will test to the uttermost the faith and courage of those to whom he has entrusted responsibilities in his work. Appearances will often be forbidding. Although God has given repeated assurance of his help, yet faith will almost stagger. Thus, uh, thus saith the Lord, must be our firm reliance, independent of human reasonings or apparent impossibilities. God wants us to have faith in him. Yes, our faith will be tested. How's your faith holding up right now? You know, there's turmoil in this world right now. I don't know. It's not your faith. Amen? It's the faith of Jesus Christ. It's the faith of Jesus Christ that we have. Because if I have my faith is weak, I pray that God will strengthen my faith. Because it is, if it's not on Jesus Christ, it's nothing. Really. Because I am weak. And uh, in reading the book of education again, something stood out to me. In such a time as this, we are so tempted. When the income is not there, it's like 80%, some maybe 50%, some even none. Maybe you're just relying on help from other people. So the challenge for us is to, are we going to be faithful? To give the tithes and the offerings that God has promised, that God requires of us. But try God. You know, he promises in Malachi 3, 8 through 11. Try me. See how I would, if I would not open the floodgates of heaven and bless you. Imagine being blessed in such a time as this. Less with less income than you usually have. I remember an experience. We were going to go to Taiwan as missionaries. And my wife was resisting. Her family was here. My parents had already passed away. So to me, it was like, hey, let's go. I don't care. I want to go out as a missionary somewhere. She says, ah, no. She came up with this list. About 10 or so things. And so I was praying, God, take care of this list. One of the big things there was when we would go there, the, the, the tuition 
at the particular school that we were, my kids were going to go to was going to be more than my whole salary. I'm like, okay, how is this going to work? Another thing is that I tried filing our taxes. I thought, you know, I know business. I'll file my tax. And we owe like 6000 to the government. It's like, so my wife wrote all these things down and said, you can't go. Look at this. You go, you come back, you go to jail. I'm like, okay, Lord, you want me to go? Because I got this from Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson. If you want to go somewhere or a major decision you want to make, you have to analyze it first, okay? So you're going to say, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen if I go? What's the worst thing that can happen if I stay? What is the best thing um, that can happen? Uh, okay, first of all, if, if you go, what's the best thing that can happen? What is the worst thing that can happen if you go? And then if you stay, what's the best thing that can happen if you stay? What's the worst thing that can happen if you stay? So when you answer all that, it will be clear to you, God wants you to go or stay. So when we did that, it was go. And then my wife came up with all this list, and it's like, okay, God answered each one of them. Even the tax one, my friend said, hey, you know what? Maybe you should try a tax professional. So we went to a professional, and he... He filed our taxes. Instead of owing the government 6000 the government gave us five or 6000 It's like, is this a joke or what? So we were able to purchase. They only paid for two of our tickets. We were able to pay for all our tickets to go there. And when we got there, so I told my wife, you know, we need to go. So she said, okay, let's, let's, let's see it. Let's see. You guys take, go first. So me and the boys would go first. I'm going to try to see if our daughter's paperwork would be done before, before we come over. Okay, so we left. We were there, and the boys were having the blast. We were on a huge campus. They were riding their bikes around there. And whenever she calls, can I take to speak to the boys? Because she's thinking, you know, the boys would be homesick, and they can come back. And then I said, well, the boys are outside running around. Can you call them? Okay, I call them. They come. And, Hi, Mom. Bye, Mom. I was like, what is going on there? I said, well, they're having so much fun. They don't want to spend time talking to you. You better come over as soon as possible. And so, long story short, God took care of all this. When she got there, she didn't have a job. But there's this thing in Taiwan, you do tutoring. And so when you tutor, we had enough money to pay for all the tuition of the kids. And we, had, we bought two cars and we had two motorcycles. I'm like, wow, isn't God good? He is better than we even think. So during such a time as this, I challenge you to trust God. Don't try to short him on your offering. In fact, maybe we should increase our offering. Let's try God out. Hey, you know, I've been giving 2 3%. Let's make it 4 or 5% for offerings. You know, I see the numbers here. They're not adding up. But let me tell you, God has a way. He can turn rocks into money. But he's relying on us. Amen? He wants us to do it. To be faithful and even try him out. I want to leave that challenge with you. And also, what is the greatest want of the world? Is uh, the last slide I have here. And this is one of my most favorite, favorite quote. The greatest one of the world is the want of men. Not just men. Men and women. Who will not be bought or sold? Okay, I know 
Sometimes we're short. And when somebody flashes money in front of us, we're like, ah, yes. Pray. Maybe that's not money from God. Okay? Men and women who will not be bought or sold. Men and women who will, in their inmost soul, are true and honest. Okay? Men and women who do not fear to call sin by its right name. And men and women whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole. Men who will stand for the right, though the heavens fall. Maybe you have had an experience. When you stand for what is right, somebody will be against you. Because somebody will say, nah, nah, you know, let's bend the rules a little bit. Let's bend the standards a little bit. But let me tell you, when you stand for what is right, God is with you. He will see you through. Amen. But we're reminded such a character is not the result of accident. It's not due to special favors of endowment or providence. A noble character is the result of self-discipline, subjection of the lower to the higher nature, and the surrender of self to the service of love to God and man. That's my most favorite quote from this book called Education on page 57. You can go back and read it. But the challenge for us during this time is, do we shortchange God? Or do we hold him accountable? He's holding us accountable. There are so many Bible promises in the Bible. We need to claim those promises. Amen? I think if we're here and we ask everybody to claim a promise, we'll be here all day, all night. We'll, I enjoy worship, staff worship in the morning. We do Zoom, what they call Zoom staff worship. We claim promises every morning. At 8.30, we have worship. We used to have it at 7.30 at school, but now, because of this, we're at 8.30, we move school back to 9 o'clock. But we claim Bible promises every day. I challenge us. Let's claim some Bible promises today, this week, this month. Pray that God will allow this thing to move on, dissipate. No more coronavirus, COVID-19, because God is able, and he will do it. He just needs us to be faithful. The challenge for us this morning, this afternoon already. Claim Bible promises. Hold God accountable. See if he's not going to bless you abundantly. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that you will see this through. You will see us through. We thank you for the strength that you will provide for such a time as this. We thank you for all the blessings that you will provide also for such a time as this. We pray that you will bless every family in this church. We pray that we will be able to come together next week and to uh, do communion service, drive through. This is brand new for all of us, but we're doing your will, Lord, and Pray that everything will work out. Pray that you'll bless those who have lost loved ones. Pray that you bless those who have lost employment or have reduction in 
in hours of employment, reduction in money. We ask, Lord, that you bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.